Today, Pastor Michael's in the book of Mark, chapter 4, verse 21, with a message titled, Growth in the Storm. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Growth in the Great Storm, Mark chapter 4. All right, as we turn to our Bibles, let's pray one more time. Father, thank you so much for your word. Every portion of your word is inspired by God, breathed out literally by God, and is profitable for our lives. Last week, as we looked at the parable of the sower or the soils, you repeated, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And you challenged us, Lord, to look at what kind of soil we are. And there's a lot of good soil in this room right now, Lord. A lot of people who are producing fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold, and it's not by might, and it's not by their power, it's by your spirit. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you for the privilege of investing in something that's eternal, something that will last beyond this life. And Father, I pray that as we look at this, the rest of these parables and the great storm that faces these disciples early on, I pray that you would open our hearts and our ears to what you want to say to us this morning. You, you are the only one who knows every heart in this room. You know what people need. You know what you want to say. So Father, I just pray that you would speak now and that indeed we would have ears to hear what you say. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So we just finished the famous parable of the sower and the soils. And we know Judas was among the 12 and there were other followers there. But we know 11 of the 12 were good soil. They actually were listening to Jesus. They were on a journey, no doubt, but the seed of the word of God had gone into receptive soil and they began to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, if you follow me, I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. And so Jesus was taking them on a journey and just because the seed you know, uh, goes into receptive soil, that, you all know that's not the end of the story. There's still much growth to take place. And that's what the Christian life is about. You're born again in a moment by the grace of God through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. But then growth is a process. And the way we grow varies. Sometimes we just grow in normal everyday life. We read our Bible. We step out in faith. But in other times, we grow through storms of life. In fact, maybe that's when we do the biggest growing is when we go through storms and we're stretched in times of storm. And we're going to see two things this morning that will kind of sum up in a lot of points. I'm going to give you about storms this morning, but we're going to see growth in uh, some remaining parables, and then we're going to see a great storm that they go into and how that works out. We pick up the story, growth in the great storm in Mark 4, 21. And Jesus was saying to them, a lamp, and this is the definite article, so this could be the lamp is not, Mark 4.21, brought to be put under a peck measure, the NIV says a bowl, is it, or under a bed, is it not brought, the word brought there is a form of erkomai, it really could mean it doesn't come, to be, uh, uh, it is not brought to be put on the lampstand, is it not brought to be put on the lampstand? So 
With the definite article, and Jesus did talk about these types of things on several occasions, and we know busy speakers sometimes repeat uh, core ideas that they share, but the lamp here could be speaking of Jesus himself with the definite article. We know that we're supposed to be the light of the world, but we have no light unless it's first his light, right? We reflect the light. We're like the moon. He's the sun. We reflect the light of the sun, But here, a lamp could speak of Jesus. He called himself in John 8, 12, the what? Light of the world. And he said, he who follows me will not walk in darkness. He will have the light of life. If you have Jesus, you have light. And when the light came, if indeed it's correct to think that this is Jesus as secondarily secondarily believers in Jesus, the light came not to be put under a bed, not to be put under a bushel. The light came to shine, and it shined in the darkness, John chapter 1, but the darkness did not comprehend it. He is the true light coming into the world that enlightens every man. Every man can be and every woman can be enlightened by Jesus Christ. And so we put the lamp somewhere where it can do the most good, and that's why Jesus came. He didn't come to hide who he was. He came to influence lives, and that's what the church carries on today. He says, for nothing, 22, is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything, anything been secret but that it should come to light. We know that in the time of the harvest or in the time of the end, and this is still harvest imagery here, everything's going to come to light. In fact, in another parable that Jesus shared, he he shared a parable of the wheat and the tares, another uh, parable from agriculture. And while while the master slept, an enemy came and sowed tares in the wheat field. And the servants came to the master and they said, should we pull up the tares? And he said, no, leave them. Let them grow together until the time of the harvest. The harvest is going to bring out all the truth. It's going to separate the wheat from the chaff, the sheep from the goats, the true believer from the unbeliever. It's all gonna come out in the harvest. And then everything that has been so-called hidden will come to light. And one application of this particular parable, if we go with the fact that Jesus may be here in Mark's gospel, the lamp, then you could think of him as the hidden secret as well. He is God's mystery, if you will, now revealed. He was kind of concealed in the shadows as the servant of Yahweh in the Old Testament and especially in Isaiah, but now he has been revealed to the world. He's been revealed to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Colossians 2, 2 and 3 says that in their hearts they may be encouraged having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself in whom or in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Would you turn to Colossians 2? It's a little bit to your right. Pass up the Gospels. Keep going right. You're gonna turn to Colossians chapter 2. Look at verse 6. Paul picks up this agrarian imagery when he talks to the Colossian church and he's warning them about not buying into false doctrine and this weird form of Jewish Gnosticism that was leading people astray. He says in Colossians 2, verse 6, after talking about the mystery that is in Christ, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in him. That's 2, 3. Look at verse 6. He says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord... So walk in him, Colossians 2, 7. Having been firmly rooted, again, in agricultural image, and now being built up or growing in him and established in your faith. 
just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy an empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. For in him, in Jesus Christ, how much? All the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. When Jesus was moving around the landscape of the Galilee region and Jerusalem and so forth, all the fullness of God was dwelling in him in bodily form. Part of the mystery of Jesus Christ is this, that when you looked upon him, you were seeing the God-man. You were seeing the incarnation. You were seeing the truth of 100% God, 100% man simultaneously. And this is a little bit of a mystery that we'll talk about a little bit more. And in him, look at verse 10, Colossians 2, you, you and I have been what? We have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. Back to Mark Chapter four. And as Jesus shared these parables, as we saw in Luke 8, he would finish them up by saying, if any man has ears to hear, Mark 4.23, let him hear. This is what Jesus did often in his preaching. He would tell a story, he would reveal a truth, and then he would ask the question because the truth really has the most relevance if you're willing to open up your ears and your heart. He who is willing to listen, Jesus would say, then let him Listen which implies that not everybody was willing. And he was saying to them, Mark 4, 24, take care what you listen to. You could translate this, be careful how you listen. By your standard of measure, it shall be measured to you, and more shall be given you besides. For whoever has 25, to him shall more be given. And whoever does not have, even what he has or even seems to have shall be taken away from him. Think of the soils again. The soil that does have will get more. It will increase more and more and more with growth and produce. But he who seems to have something, let's say he is a, one of these soils that is beside the road or uh, among the, the rocks or the thorns, even what he seems to have, he springs up for a while, he looks good, but what he seems to have, even that will be taken away from him. God wants to bless you with more and more growth and more and more influence. And if you are a Christian, that is his desire for you. He's not against you, he is for you. But he is the master of bringing growth into our lives. And he will weave together a tapestry in all of our lives. He will use everything. Uh, He will use all the circumstances of our life and exploit them for his good purposes. That's how majestic he is. But he says, by the way you hear It will be measured back to you. In a parallel way or in a way that kind of fits with this thought, Jesus said, in the way that you judge, you will be judged. These are the words of Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Do not judge lest you be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Now that famous passage quoted by many unbelievers, the moment you try to say anything to them, they know that verse. Judge not, lest you be judged. And sometimes Christians are stuck because we don't know how to respond to that because we don't keep reading. The actual context of that statement is don't judge in a hypocritical fashion. Jesus says, first take the log out of your eye because you've been walking around hitting people in the head anyway with that thing, then you will see clearly to take the speck 
out of your brother's eye. The passage is not saying don't judge. In fact, once you remove the log, you'll be able to see better to make a good judgment. The passage is teaching don't be a hypocrite. First deal with your own stuff. Then you can tell somebody else about the issues that they might have. And in the way you judge, Jesus says, it will be judged back to you in the measure. Oh, this is, this is pretty radical. In the way that you judge others, God says, it'll come back to you. That's where we need to be careful. Amen? How horrible our sins look when someone else is doing them. Do you want to be able to, to defend your faith, what you believe in, why you believe it? We've tackled subjects like Jehovah's Witnesses, the origins of Christmas. In honor of the 500th year of the Reformation, we did a two-part message on sola scriptura. Is the Bible alone sufficient? Is it our highest authority? Scientology. And you can purchase that and listen to it, give it to a friend. Intriguing topics that are available on the Walk in Truth store at walkintruth.com. That's what's available at walkintruth.com at the store, and there'll be more to come, more exciting things to come. It's pretty easy to be self-righteous when we see what we do in other people. But the same application applies to hearing. In the way you hear, that same judgment. So, you know, sometimes we get frustrated with people because we don't think that they're hearing us, but the way that we lack in, in our own hearing can come back to us as well. And so Jesus is giving warnings after he teaches. He says, hey, open up your ears. Focus on your own heart and your own life. And he was saying, verse 26, Mark 4, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. He goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crop, key word, key phrase, by itself. Notice the process. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now with all that Jesus said about the sowing of the seed and those who sow and those who listen, there is a mystery to the kingdom and it's this and it goes with seed or plant life Sometimes things grow and we have no idea how it happened. Anybody got stuff like that in your backyard? You're like, honey, did we have that tree last year? <laughs> no, it's, and it's one of the most thriving things in your yard. You say, did we ever water it? Nope. Where did that thing come from? I don't know. But there's some growth in the kingdom. Here's, I think, Jesus' main point that is mysterious. With all that we can talk about the sower and the soil, sometimes things just happen and you're like, huh? Sometimes there's growth in unexpected places. How about this? And unexpected people. People we gave up on. And we mailed it in. Never going to become a Christian. Pearl. <laughs> Don't cast those pearls before that swine anymore. There's a Bible verse for that. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the swine's a Christian. And they come to you and say, hey, you won't believe what happened to me. What? What? <laughs> I'm a believer. No way. <laughs> yeah. Growth. Sometimes totally mysterious. We've heard reports of people who get visions of Jesus or dream about him. Some mysterious stuff that goes on. 
call this the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's working in all of it, but sometimes it's just beyond what we know. And Jesus said, you know, the wind blows where it will and you don't see it or you can't always chart its course. So are those who are born again of the Holy Spirit. So is the work of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's just a mysterious thing. And Jesus, I think, adds this, and especially here in Mark's gospel, to tell us that we, don't, we can't figure out all this stuff about salvation and this process. But he tells us, but when the crop permits, 29, he immediately, that is the man who owns the field, puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus' words at the end of verse 29 reflect the Hebrew text of Joel 3.13. Listen to it. I'm going to quote Joel 3.13 through 15. It says, put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon grow dark and the stars lose their brightness. And this image of the harvest and the sickle and the day of the Lord is how it's going to happen in the end. And the Lord's going to come with 10,000s of his holy ones and he's going to illumine a darkened sky and he's gonna rescue or rapture his church. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall ever be with the Lord. Therefore, those who have this hope were to comfort one another with these words, with this truth. There's a harvest coming, and in the day of the harvest, there will be a separation. There's going to be a day when we're, we are counted, and the Lord of the harvest knows the wheat from the chaff. And the wheat will go into his father's barn, Matthew 13, and the chaff will be burned, Jesus' words, with unquenchable fire. I would sum up, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And over and over again, as Jesus spoke to crowds of thousands of people, he would tell these stories, and he would use agricultural imagery, and he would talk about the harvest, and he would talk about the end of the age. And Jesus says, how shall we picture, verse 30, the kingdom of God? That's what he came to represent. He's the king of the kingdom. Or by what parable shall we present it? It is like a mustard seed, mustard seed is the kingdom, which when sown upon the soil, though it is smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil. And by the way, for you Bible students, it was proverbial in Israel, even though the mustard seed is technically not the smallest seed it was a proverbial saying in Israel among the rabbis that the mustard seed was the smallest one cast upon the soil. In fact, to the human eye, the mustard seed is almost invisible. And I think what Jesus is saying here is that the kingdom of God to some people seems so insignificant. Jesus seems like nothing. He, he is somebody, by the way, in fact, I'm gonna say this uh, before I make this next statement. I think he's someone you can probably try to avoid your whole life, but since it's his, his universe, you're bound to run into him at some point. But here's the point. I think what Jesus is saying is that some people, and here maybe specifically the religious leaders, just want to brush him aside. In fact, they are plotting his death right now. But they don't realize that though in their eyes, what he does is a mustard seed it's going to have a huge impact. We just don't realize 
the impact that our lives have, and of course, could the people of standing there, the apostles, the religious leaders, have been able to fathom the radical impact that these moments on the planet would make throughout the rest of human history and into eternity? Could they have known how many people were gonna come under the shade of the kingdom of God and believe in Jesus Christ? God took uh, Abram out and he said, look at the stars of the sky. Look up. If you can count those, so will your descendants be. And Jesus came from the line of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And here's the point. The kingdom can seem insignificant to some people, like a mustard seed, but its impact is huge. Jesus says, yet when it is sown, 32, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. Here I think this is a positive image. The kingdom of God becomes a refuge, it becomes a home, it becomes a place to nest, it becomes a place to find uh, belonging, and that is where I've set up my nest. And I think that's where most of you have set up yours. I have found shade in the beauty of his presence. I have found that that mustard seed that went out has bloomed in my own life. In fact, uh, they say mustard plants can grow sometimes up to 15 feet. The seed looks like it's nothing. But all of a sudden, all kinds of people are benefiting from it. We just had a family up here. And there was a decision to follow Christ by the parents. And now that's being poured into the children. And now they've opened up their house to somebody else. And their branches go out. And I ask you, who do you want to be? What kind of influence do you want to leave? One of faith? One of leading other people to faith in Jesus Christ? I mean, let's look at a news report recently. We know Prince all of a sudden died. 57 years old. A lot of us grew up with Prince's music. Whatever you, your take on his music doesn't really matter for this purpose. But you hear reports and you see videos and you see a lifestyle that seems so worldly and yet at the same time he talked about having faith and he talked about the fact that he prayed. I don't know anything about his belief system but you look at a life and now that life is gone and we all have an influence. We all have branches that go out into this world and the question we have to ask consistently is what are they doing? What are they producing? And with many such parables, 33. So this tells us that Mark didn't record them all. Each gospel writer, I think, picked what the Holy Spirit led them to highlight. With many such parables, he was speaking the word to them as they were able to hear it. That could imply that he was speaking on their level. And he did not speak to them without a parable. But he was explaining the idea of the language here is the untie a knot. Sometimes the disciples maybe metaphorically were in knots. They were trying to figure out what he was saying, then he would untie the knot. It's kind of good when you have someone who can explain a difficult concept to you and untie that knot that's been in your brain, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm not good at untying knots, but I usually hand them to my wife, and <laughs> she's got fingernails and everything. And so uh, Jesus was explaining these parables. He would untie the knot and he would explain everything end of 34 privately to his own disciples. And on that day, 35, now the text transitions from the growth to the great storm. 
When evening had come, so it was nighttime, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. And just so you know, the other side of the lake, the northwestern part of the lake, was called the Decapolis. And it was known to be, for the 10 cities, these were Greek cities, they were set up with Hellenism. Hellenism was the belief of the ancient Greeks spilled over from Alexander the Great and his influence. And Hellenism, to very much simplify the belief system, said, man is the center of everything. Sound familiar? The sacred animal in these cities on the other side of the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Gennesaret, as it was also known, in these cities, the sacred animal was the pig. And Jesus says, let's go over there where there's Greek pagan cities where the sacred animal is the pig. And by the way, the religious leaders believe that that's where Satan lived on the other side of the lake. If you're a disciple, you have to be thinking, what? He, he has ears to hear, let him, <laughs> what? <laughs> you wanna go over there? You wanna go over where the, the pagan worship happens, where all that stuff is going on? Yeah, Jesus says. We haven't accomplished quite enough today. I mean, think about his schedule, right? I would encourage you, if you go to walkintruth.com and you access the store and you purchase something, just know that what you purchase and any donation you give helps us pay for the radio uh, ministry and airtime, and really mostly for the airtime. None of us are making money from radio ministry. Um, we're doing this as a labor of love. And uh, what we're doing is we're, we're praying that people will access the store, they will partner with us in the ministry, and they can even do something called become a Walk in Truth partner, um, which there's more detail at walkintruth.com. Final thoughts? You and I had this vision that we started a radio program because we wanted to get the Word of God out there, and doors are opening up even more. And so I'm excited that we are out there helping equip the saints with more products, with more teachings, and also with part partnerships. And you know, I want to say a thank you to Andy Chapel who helps us at the board with recording, Jarrett Slack, who Absolutely. has helped us with a lot of these ideas and uh, kind of the media side of it. My wonderful wife, Brenda Lance, mm -hmm. who... Uh, is responsible for graphics and, and labels and um, you know making everything look good. Your wife, Rebecca Santa Cruz, who helps with the duplication side of things. Yeah. Larie Bondi, who's helping us with packaging and sending stuff out. Am I missing anybody? All the prayer warriors who have lifted us up. Mm -hmm. And then Pastor Frank Starks, who yes. uh, has uh, really you know been someone encouraging us and helping us uh, you know uh, really put radio in front of people a little bit more and our radio partners oscar we have to, to mention you know all the different stations that we have the privilege of partnering with exactly is a great blessing to us and we love you guys and we don't get to talk maybe as often as we'd like to but uh, we appreciate what you guys do on your end of the home radio station that you represent and uh, we just want to say a big thank you so the ministry is now Walk in Truth with Michael Lance, and we're ex so excited and so, I think, so humbled and privileged to do what we do, Oscar. And we just are praying that the Lord will bless it and take it where He wants it to go for His glory. So check out the new products and the new website and access the new devotion. And maybe you can give out some of these products as Christmas gifts. Get your order in very soon because we'd like to get them into your hands walkintruth.com on behalf of Oscar Santa Cruz this is Pastor Michael catch you next time tell a friend about what you're hearing we'll see you then
Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message in its entirety, or if you'd like to visit our church here in Corona, California, visit our website, walkintruth.com.